When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Tudor's Dynasty Podcast. Welcome to the year 2023 and the first this week in royal history of the new year. I'm so happy that you continue to return to these weekly episodes because it's been a lot of fun exploring periods of royal history outside of the Tudors. But let's be clear, I still love the Tudors, and this week I am leading off with an important event in the early years of Henry VIII's reign. On the 1st of January, 1511, what we now call New Year's Day, but was not, in fact, New Year's Day in 1511, but still part of the Twelfth Night festivities for Christmas because New Year's in Tudor times did not occur until Lady Day, which was the 25th of March. But I digress. On the 1st of January, 1511, a son was born to Catherine of Aragon and Henry VIII. He was called Henry, after his father, and maybe his grandfather too. But let's be honest, Henry VIII was a narcissist, so it was probably after him. (laughs) And the little prince was titled Duke of Cornwall. Little Henry's birth was greatly celebrated by the king, queen, and all of his subjects. He was referred to as Little Prince Hal. And in honor of Little Prince Hal's birth, fires were lit and wine was distributed in the streets of London. The prince's baptism shortly followed, and his godparents were the Archbishop of Canterbury and the Earl of Surrey. His godmother was the daughter of Edward IV and Elizabeth Woodville, Henry VIII's aunt, Catherine, Duchess of Devon. Sadly, the apple of his parents' eye, the little Duke of Cornwall, little Prince Hal, died 52 days after his birth. Hall's Chronicle had this to say about the prince's death. The king, like a wise prince, took this dolorous chance wondrous wisely, and the more to comfort the queen, he dissimulated the matter and made no great mourning outwardly. But the queen, like a natural woman, made much lamentation. Howbeit, by the king's good persuasion and behavior, her sorrow was mitigated, but not shortly. Now let's circle back to New Year's being on January 1st because it was this day in the year 1700 that all of Protestant Western Europe, except for England, began to use the Gregorian calendar. 
with the year starting on January 1st. Prior to that, the Julian calendar was in use recognizing, as I previously mentioned, March 25th as the beginning of the new year. England accepted the Gregorian calendar 52 years later, in 1752. I often call her the mother of the Tudors, but maybe the grandmother of the Tudors would be more appropriate since we sometimes call Margaret Beaufort the mother of the Tudors. Anyway, I'm speaking of Catherine of Valois. Her story reminds me a lot of Catherine Parr's story a century and then some later. It was this week in royal history, the 3rd of January to be specific, that Catherine of Valois died. She was 35 at the time of her death. Catherine of Valois was born in October 1401 to King Charles VI of France and Isabel of Bavaria. She was their youngest daughter and was promised a marriage to Henry V of England through the Treaty of Troyes. The treaty, a part of their truce, declared that upon the death of the French king Charles VI, that Henry V would inherit the throne and unite the two countries and end years of fighting. Catherine was 18 when the couple married in 1420, and eight months later she was crowned at Westminster Abbey. While Catherine was pregnant with her first child, Henry returned to France with his military campaigns. Catherine gave birth to a son, Henry, in December 1421. Henry V died in August 1422, having never met his son. And Catherine's infant son became Henry VI of England, and by right, was also King of France. At some point after the king's death, Catherine began a relationship with a Welshman named Owen Tudor. Together, Catherine and Owen had at least six children, including Edmund and Jasper Tudor. And now we're back to where we started. Catherine of Valois, wife, possibly, of Owen Tudor, died on the 3rd of January, 1437, at 35, possibly after childbirth. She was buried at the same place that she was crowned, Westminster Abbey. After this short break, we'll continue our journey through royal history this week. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. As Tudor files, when we hear Aragon, we immediately think of Catherine, first wife of Henry VIII, right? Well, let's step back a couple of centuries to Elizabeth of Aragon, who came from the house of Barcelona, instead of Trastamara, like Catherine of Aragon. Elizabeth was born on the 4th of January, 1271, to Peter, future Peter III of Aragon, and Constance of Sicily, in the Kingdom of Aragon. In 1281, her marriage was arranged to Denis, King of Portugal. She was only 10 years old at the time, and the wedding would not be celebrated for another seven years. The couple inevitably had two children together about a decade after their marriage first took place. 
a daughter named Constance, future Queen of Castile, and a son, Alfonso, future King of Portugal. Elizabeth took an interest in Portuguese politics and acted as a mediator between her husband and Fernando IV of Castile when they signed a treaty to fix the borders between the two countries. She also mediated between her husband and her son in the Civil War, which lasted between 1322 and 24. Legend says that Elizabeth rode a mule to the battlefield and positioned herself between the two armies, demanding peace between her husband and son. Her husband, Dennis, died in 1325, and Elizabeth retired to a monastery of the Poor Clare Nuns. She was pious since childhood, always helping the poor and sick, continuing to do so as queen. She joined the Third Order of St. Francis and devoted the rest of her life to the poor and sick in obscurity. In 1336, her son moved an army against Alfonso XI of Castile, who was married to his daughter and treated her badly. Elizabeth became a peacemaker again and traveled to Estremoz in Portugal to negotiate with the kings. She was again successful, but became ill soon after, and died on the 4th of July, 1336. Elizabeth was beatified in 1526 and canonized a saint in 1625 by Pope Urban VIII. When we come back from this short break, I'm going to give you a juicy piece of gossip that you will not want to miss. One of my favorite periods of history to research and discuss is the events of 1066. It was on the 5th of January, 1066, that Edward the Confessor died and threw the country into total chaos. As the last Anglo-Saxon king, Edward ruled from 1042 until his death in 1066. He had no children, so his death triggered the events that eventually led to the Norman Conquest. Upon the death of Edward the Confessor, his wife, Edith of Wessex, brother, Harold Godwinson, claimed the throne. But as you can expect, that was not as secure as he had hoped. The King of Norway, Harold Hardrada, was backed by Godwinson's brother, Tostig, and invaded England in an attempt to claim it for themselves. They were both defeated and killed. Godwinson's victory was short-lived when three weeks later, he was killed at the Battle of Hastings by the army of William of Normandy. We now know him as William the Conqueror, and he was considered the first king of England. I love this story so much, and you're going to hear a lot more about this time period from me in 2023. So buckle in, it's going to be a wild ride. Edward III is often referred to as the king who had too many sons. Now we have an episode titled Just That, where Steph chatted with historian Matthew Lewis about the problems which arose from such a magnificent issue to have. On the 7th of January, 1355, Thomas of Woodstock, later titled Duke of Gloucester, was born to Edward III of England and Philippa of Hainault. He was born at Woodstock Palace, hence his name, Thomas of Woodstock. Thomas was the couple's fifth surviving son. Yes, you heard that right, fifth. 
Henry VIII, eat your heart out. In 1374, at about 19 years old, Thomas married Eleanor de Bone, and they had five children together. Thomas was a part of the Lord's Appellant that successfully rebelled against his nephew, Richard II of England, which significantly weakened the king's power. However, Richard was able to depose the Lord's Appellant in 1397, and Thomas, his uncle, was imprisoned in Calais. While in Calais, Thomas of Woodstock was murdered on the 8th of September, 1397, which added to Richard II's unpopularity. He was buried at Westminster Abbey, and his wife was buried next to him two years later. And lastly, because I know I'll get hate mail if I exclude her, it was this week on the 7th of January, 1536, that Catherine of Aragon died. In 1533, Catherine's marriage to Henry was declared null and void so he could marry Anne Boleyn. Catherine never agreed to the annulment and always referred to herself as Henry's true and lawful wife and England's only rightful queen. From that point on, Henry referred to her as Dowager Princess of Wales, stating that his elder brother had been her only husband. By 1534, Catherine was moved to Kimbolton Castle, where she was denied any request to see her daughter. She died there on the 7th of January, 1536, at 50 years old. She was buried at Peterborough Cathedral in a ceremony fitting for a Dowager Princess not a queen. And that concludes this week in royal history. If you love all things royal history, be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And please consider leaving a five-star written review as well. Leaving a review means that other lovers of royal history will be tipped off to the show. It's always so much fun to hear about their binge listening habits. Until next week, I'm Rebecca Larson. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tudor's Dynasty podcast. You can follow and support the Tudor's Dynasty podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at Tudor's Dynasty.